Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Well, things have been really good for Indiana basketball, but a tough performance on Saturday afternoon. There is no question about that. No better way to say it. A rough and tough loss for Indiana, 63-48. to They lost a lot, or left a lot, I should say, to be desired uh, on the East Coast over the weekend. Definitely not the same clicking team, uh, defensive team all the way around. There were holes on Saturday, and so we'll talk about all that today. Indiana drops their first game of the season again, 63-48. I knew it would be tough. I said last week that, yes, the North Carolina game was exciting uh, and important, but nothing bigger than the start of the Big Ten season for uh, the Indiana program, especially with Rutgers and Nebraska, some early opportunities. I felt like a loss was definitely possible. I think this Rutgers game will be as tough as any game Indiana has coming up, including Arizona and Kansas, to be quite honest. Uh, but a loss by that margin does make you scratch your head a little bit. Indiana could just never, ever get it going. Trace Jackson Davis could really never get it going. Jalen Huchifino out for the game. That was kind of a game-time decision that we found out about right before tip-off. But uh, Indiana really struggled on Saturday. So perhaps we've seen some really good things from this team. Uh, Also, maybe a few concerning things to double back and talk more about and think more about as the uh, ante gets even tougher with uh, Arizona and Kansas. And I can't leave out Nebraska. That's not the sexier game of any of those. But Definitely the most important because it is a conference game. So a tough loss for Indiana. We'll break it down today. I think still a lot to be exciting, uh, excited about with this IU basketball team. Uh, NCAA net ratings came out for the first time this season. They don't mean a ton here in early December, but it is good to see where Indiana is at at this point. I think if you haven't seen them already when we talk about it, you'll be very pleased as an IU fan Also, the breaking news today, before we even get into the program, has nothing to do with Indiana, but about Louisville football and UofL coach Scott Satterfield. It broke, I don't know, around 7.30 or 8 o'clock this morning, is going to leave UofL and go to Cincinnati, which is an interesting, interesting move. He was under a lot of fire early in the season, even near the middle of the season, and Louisville football seemed to get it figured out. He's got a great recruiting class coming in, by the way, also for next year. 
Uh, so at this point, kind of surprised to see him leave, especially on his own like this. Uh, also, it's very interesting because Louisville and Cincinnati are bowl game opponents. They're going to play, where is it, at Fenway Park in Boston coming up here in just a couple weeks. So that's going to be kind of an interesting sidebar to this whole deal. But Satterfield leaving, which opens the question from a Big Ten perspective, is Jeff Brom. He's from the first family of football in Louisville. I don't think there's any question about that. Does he make the move back to his hometown? Uh, that was the buzz and the rumor and the want, I think, from a lot of U of L fans earlier this season when Coach Sat and the U of L football program were having its struggles. Uh, but we'll we'll see. Does Brom make that move after keeping it pretty close and respectable for a lot of the game against Michigan in the Big Ten championship on Saturday? So kind of a, a not an IU deal, but something in our local area to watch. Just an interesting set of circumstances with kind of the up and down of Louisville football this season and all the obviously with Brom connected to Louisville and connected to the Big Ten at Purdue. Just something that we'll kind of watch out of the corner of our eye here in coming days. But definitely will be interesting to see how that plays out and if Brom does make a return to the Ville. I think a lot of people think that's the common sense answer. Uh, a lot of people uh, wanting that to happen, it sounds like, early on. But definitely the big Monday morning surprise was that UofL football movement there that I don't think any of us expected. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here right now. We'll take a look at the IU Rutgers loss for the Hoosiers on Saturday. We'll recap some of the takeaways from that game. Also, uh, some good news for IU basketball, even after the loss, the NCAA net ratings. The first edition of the season came out earlier this morning, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll talk about that coming up. And then later in the show, we'll be joined by a couple guests today. As always, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will help us break down the IU contest on Saturday, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that and what's ahead, because it's a quick turnaround to Nebraska. It's a quick turnaround from Nebraska to Arizona and then a quick turnaround from Arizona to Kansas. So a really interesting streak coming up, including the Rutgers game, the loss on Saturday for this Indiana team. And we'll talk about all of that and more. Also, a couple IU football things to get to. Uh, Desan McCullough is going to leave the program. I'll talk about that here in a moment. He's entered the transfer portal. Really hard to keep up with everything going on right now with IU football, to be honest. There is so much movement going on. Uh, people entering the portal, it's just hard to keep up with. So we'll talk with Zach about that as well. Also, later in the show, Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown, former coach at Jeff, IHSA executive board member. He joins us for a conversation on local sports. And with Chad, he had an opportunity to host the Body Armor Classic on Saturday. It was a great five-game event featuring a lot of high school basketball talent from the area and beyond. And uh, we'll recap some of uh, those games and who played well. And it was a really neat showcase-type deal on Saturday. So we'll discuss that and more with Chad when he's with us a little bit later today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Right now, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito or any fountain drink. 
tea, fizz, freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And speaking of Thornton's, the text line is always open if you want to sound off on the IU basketball loss on Sunday. You can do so. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Let's get into some headlines, some takeaways uh, from the season. I tell you what, Miller Cop, his best performance uh, of the season and maybe of his career, uh, he shot it well. Three-point shooting was working for him. The fifth-year senior had 21 points on 8 of 12 shooting from the field. He had five three-pointers. Uh, I think it's really the type of shooting performance that Indiana fans expected from him when he first was announced as an incoming transfer to the program a few seasons ago. We saw glimpses, at least his shooting ability in that game against Rutgers, of what I remember of Miller Cop when he was at Northwestern as really one of their key players. And of course, last year, uh, he was not very good as a shooter and uh, just didn't do, I think, what people thought, what fans thought he might bring to the program. So if there is a bright spot or there was a bright spot in that game, uh, it is that uh, he was a big part of of the success, whatever success Indiana did have. It was a successful performance for him, and we'll see if he can continue that type of shooting in future games against Nebraska, Arizona, and Kansas all coming up. I thought it was also clear Indiana really missed Jalen hood Shafino. It was missed. It was announced right before tip-off that uh, Jalen would miss the game due to back soreness. Coach Woodson told us after the game that he'll be evaluated on a day-to-day basis. So it doesn't sound like anything terribly serious. I know that back soreness, back issues have been something that have come up with him in recent years. So doesn't seem like a huge concern, but he is important to this team, this roster as a freshman. And uh, I think he was missed on Saturday. And then of course, Trace Jackson Davis was not himself uh, in that contest. 5'11 from the field, 3 of 6 from the foul line. Uh, not the uh, normal player we see, we, we're used to seeing with Trace. In fact, he fouled out for the first time in his career, and he also had four turnovers in the contest as well. So when Trace doesn't go, it's hard for Indiana to be at the level they need to be at to not only win some of these games, but just be the elite-level team that we believe they can be this season and maybe that they have showed glimpses of at times this year if Trace isn't going to be able to to go. And I don't mean scoring 20 points a game or always having double-doubles or being on the verge of of a triple-double or anything like that. But if he can't be himself within reason, Indiana probably going to have some problems, and that was definitely the case on Saturday afternoon. Now, the good news coming out of that loss, number one, is it was the first Big Ten game of the season, and an opportunity to play Nebraska is just around the corner, and Indiana would be a, will be a big favorite in that contest. But also, the NCAA coming out of the weekend announced their first net rankings, which is the net stands for NCAA Evaluation Tool. And it's big now as far as bracketology goes and how teams get into the NCAA tournament. It's huge when it comes to the selection of the field. And the first edition came out uh, earlier this morning. The IU men are number 10 in the net rankings. Of course, a quadrant one win on the road at Xavier earlier in the season. That greatly helps that situation. The home win at North Carolina obviously helps that situation for them to be uh, in the top 10. But some of the games coming up, Arizona's number 26. That game's on a neutral floor. 
Kansas is on the road. The Jayhawks are number 18 in the net rankings. Those would be huge non-conference games if Indiana could win them uh, as far as building their resume for this tough and uh, tumble of the Big Ten Conference, which is ahead. Also, I want to mention the IU women, now 9-0 on the season, are number four in the first edition of the NCAA net rankings as well. So early on, you could say the women, and I know there's a lot of basketball to be played, non-conference and conference, but early on, the women are a contender for a number one seed in the country when it comes to the women's NCAA tournament, March Madness, uh, months from now. So it's I know it's hard to talk about that, really think about that at this point, but that's the kind of non-conference resume. And, of course, they had a conference win, a close game, close win over Illinois over the weekend to get the women's Big Ten play started. But that's the type of season this Indiana women's team, at least at this point of early December, is having. They are really on the caliber of being a top-five team this season, uh, perhaps permanently throughout the year, and uh, competing early on for a number-one seed as well. A couple IU football notes here in the opening season. Linebacker Desan McCullough is, will enter the transfer portal, uh, he announced on Sunday evening on his social media accounts. He said, quote, First off, I would like to say thank you to Coach Allen, Coach T. Garden, and the entire coaching staff at Indiana University for giving me a chance to play in front of my hometown. I would also like to thank each of my teammates for pushing me to be my best every day and believing in me. Now, McCullough initially was a verbal commit to Ohio State before he flipped to Indiana uh, to join his father at the time, Dylan McCullough. And then, of course, he went on to take the running backs coach slot at Notre Dame and uh, is there now. So we'll be really interesting to see where he goes, what the future could be for him. Does he follow his dad to Notre Dame? Does he maybe consider Ohio State or another Big Ten program? But definitely a big loss for IU football. There have been a number of players enter the transfer portal at this point. Don't know if more are expected tonight, but McCullough, one of the biggest departures so far this offseason for IU football. Also, a coaching hire over the weekend. Coach Allen announced the hiring of Bob Bostad. He's the run game coordinator and offensive line coach for the Hoosiers. He comes to Indiana with 25 years of experience working with the offensive line at both the college and professional level. Indiana made it official with a release earlier this weekend from the school. So a big name as far as his experience and what he brings to the program. Uh, seems like Coach Allen working to make some changes and uh, if Coach Bostad could have a positive effect on the offensive line after what we saw this season, that would obviously be very helpful to IU football, to say the least, for the unknown that's ahead uh, when you think about what the 2023 season could look like. And I, somebody texted me this. I need to mention this getting back to basketball. Yes, Nebraska is a game that you got to win. Nebraska is considered to be a lower-level opponent in the Big Ten Conference. Uh, so it's one of those that in this conference again this year you need to get. But let's not forget Nebraska upset 7th-ranked Creighton yesterday, 63-53 was the score to that game. It was a crazy day yesterday. Michigan State lost at home to Northwestern. Michigan lost over in London to Purdue. So some crazy results in college hoops on Sunday, but probably none bigger uh, as far as a surprise than Nebraska upsetting seventh-rate Creighton. That should tell you that there's no easy game. I know we say this every year, but there is no easy game in the Big Ten Conference, especially a road game. And I think Indiana got a little bit of taste of being in a, a tough road environment on Saturday 
when they were up at Rutgers at Jersey Mike's Arena. So uh, a look at some IU basketball and some football notes here uh, to come out to uh, open the show this week. Got some high school stuff we'll get to a little bit later in the program today, but definitely we'll recap some of the big games from over the weekend as well. That's a look at our headlines for this uh, Monday, December 5th edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, the latest on IU basketball. We'll recap the loss at Rutgers. We'll talk about the game coming up with Nebraska and really a tough stretch for this team. I think it goes without saying. You put this five-game stretch together going back to North Carolina, and this is really going to be the telling tale of IU basketball for the upcoming season, I believe, when we look back upon this period. Stay with us. Our Monday show continues after this. It's the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us here in just a moment. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, we'll recap things on Saturday here in just a moment, a loss on the road for this Indiana team. But I think we say this every year and a lot of games in the Big Ten. It doesn't get any easier because Nebraska – is really playing good basketball right now. They upset seventh-ranked Creighton uh, on Sunday. So it's a Cornhuskers team that wasn't expected to be a real player in the Big Ten Conference again this season. But anytime somebody uh, comes in with a win uh, like that, you've got to give them maybe more attention than what we had planned to. No, I mean, I think that's fair. Obviously, they also, uh, before that, they beat Florida State and Boston College pretty handily. Neither of those teams are very good. Um, but those are ACC teams. I mean, those are ACC opponents. And if you, you go back you know, kind of further through St. John's, I mean, they've played, or excuse me, through Nebraska, they played St. John's this year. They played Oklahoma. They played Memphis. Um, they haven't won all those games. But, you know, that's that's a Big East, a Big 12, obviously a, a pretty substantial non-Big uh, Six conference, two ACC, and, and another Big East. I mean, they have played a schedule that has challenged them um, and has has probably made them better. It's probably hardened them up a little bit. If you're Indiana, you know, you still need to find your way to winning this game. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a reminder that this is, this conference can bedevil you a little bit sometimes. Yeah, no question. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis star. Let's go back to Saturday at Rutgers. Uh, It was tough for Indiana, tough environment. Jalen hood, Chafino, it was announced just before tip off would be unavailable due to back soreness. And Trace Jackson Davis just really could never get his footing in that ball game. Indiana did not look at all like the team we've seen in other games this season. No, they, they really didn't. And first of all, I, I should say this, um, and this isn't making excuses for Indiana, but that was my first time at the rack since 2019, so pre-COVID. And I'd kind of heard about, you know, this, this, this what the rack had sort of turned itself into. 
uh, it was remarkable. Like it was loud in there. It was very loud, and it was it was federal. It was forty minutes. Um, Indiana fans. There were quite a few Indiana fans there, and they brought a good atmosphere as well. Which I, in a strange way, I always think is kind of makes for the best road atmospheres when you can get a, a decent minority of, of road fans in the building. Because then when the road fans start enjoying themselves and start cheering, it gets the home fans back up again. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a genuinely, genuinely tough environment. I thought Indiana just, you know, I think, I think where Indiana was probably most disappointed with itself was those opening maybe 10 minutes. And I know a lot of people point at the 19-4 to run that kind of took the game away from them in the second half. But I think a lot of that, a lot of that game really, to me, was kind of determined in the way both teams started the first 10 to 12 minutes. I mean, at one point, Rutgers across, like, maybe the first 12 to 14 minutes was averaging about one offensive rebound per minute. Uh, Indiana's energy clearly was not there. Um, they looked, you know, they, they got in late Friday night because of weather delays, and they looked, I mean, they looked like it. They looked tired. Um, they looked like they missed Jalen hood Shafino, And none of this is to excuse it. It's, it's more just to say that, you know, when one of the questions you always ask is, is how, do, how do teams handle adversity? How will they handle it when, you know, when they're in a difficult environment and they haven't had the perfect setup or they didn't get, you know, a week to prepare or it's not, you know, IU at Michigan State for a Big Ten title, but it's, it's IU against a scrappy Rutgers team in a tough environment in early December in a game that, you know, may mean something to their Big Ten hopes, may not, but they need to respect it anyway, how do they handle it? And they just didn't handle it well. And, you know, there was some clear frustration about the way the game was officiated. Um, but I thought that that was maybe even a little bit of something that was kind of determined by that opening start of basically Rutgers establishing themselves as the more physical and, and certainly the more aggressive team and therefore possibly getting the benefit of some calls Indiana didn't. Um, they just – they just kind of didn't – I don't say they didn't show up um, because, it, listen, you know, they, they, they had a couple good stretches. They kind of pulled the game back a little bit in the first half. Then they actually got it even about five minutes, five, six minutes into the second half. But it, it just felt like they were never engaged with that game in a in a 40-minute way, in the way that they knew they needed to be. And, you know, obviously they paid for it. Zach Ostrom and the Indianapolis Star with us here on this Monday program. One of the bright spots – Zach was Miller Cop, and I thought we finally saw the Miller Cop that a lot of folks thought Indiana was getting when he transferred in from Northwestern a few years ago. But he had a big game, 21 points, 8 of 12 shooting, 5 three-pointers. Uh, if there's a positive takeaway from the Rutgers loss, maybe it was Miller Cop's coming out party perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, on the, uh, on the one hand, you, you kind of look at it and – you know, you um, you sort of say, geez, you, you even got the guy that you need to be hitting threes, hitting threes. You had five of them, and you still lost pretty comfortably. Uh, what does that say about your offense? On the other hand, I, I think to be really fair to Miller Kopp here, um, you know, he's shooting 18 of 34 from three now. That's 52.9%. Um, you, you would imagine that he's not going to shoot 53% all season from three. Um, but, I mean, this is a guy who's got three double-figure scoring games now. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's made some big shots. You think about the, the three he made from the corner against Xavier when, or against Xavier when, you know, frankly, he, by his own admission, probably would say he didn't 
play great in that game, but the shot that Indiana absolutely needed him to make in that second half he made. Um, and the, the other thing I would say, too, is, listen, I, I don't know how this game is going to be framed, you know, a month, two months, three months from now. Um, and I understand the stigma that Rutgers still sort of carries in the Big Ten for a variety of reasons. Go look at who's lost there in the last three years. It's basically everybody. Now, not everybody lost by 15, and, and that's fair. And, and I think that, you know, what I wrote post-game about Indiana more generally was that the concerning thing might not have been the loss, but more the fact that Indiana looked a little bit kind of like the old Indiana, the Indiana that just got into these situations and rolled over when it couldn't find its, its A game, um, more, more so than maybe Indiana would like to believe it was capable of. But, like, that building has claimed a, a, a fair few big scalps in the last three seasons. And so going there and not playing well as a team is, is not something that makes you unique in, in the conference. And going there and playing well individually is something that, whether it's, you know, whether you're Miller Cop or anybody else, you should be able to build on a little bit. Um, and I just think that, that – you know, last year, um, when Indiana went to Syracuse, obviously Miller Cop had a great game. I think he made four threes that day. He finished with 28 points. Um, and everyone said, okay, so is that the, is that the player Miller Cop can be for this team? And I don't think he was quite that player again uh, most of the rest of the season. This felt framed a little bit differently for him insofar as he'd actually kind of been this player already in terms of hitting some threes, you know, getting getting mixed up around the rim just a little bit more, playing better defense. I think he's played better defensively this season uh, than he did a year ago, certainly at least at this time last year. Um, and you would sort of look at it and say, okay, but is that who he's going to be in January and February and March? Well, here was a tough Big Ten Road environment, and the player that stepped up as much as any other was Miller Cop. And I think that that, that feels like something that you can carry, even from a loss, you can carry forward if you're Indiana into something better again as, as we get deeper into the season. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. You know, I was going to ask that you've been to the rack in Rutgers. I guess now it's Jersey Mike Serena to be specific. It's you mentioned rack. that Indi- we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not calling it that. It's the rack. <laughs> Indiana, you mentioned had a decent amount of fans there yesterday, but is, is there a big student contingent? Is, is, is it really like a neat home court for them? I've never been there. No, it is. It's it's um, it's not dissimilar to uh, the old Welsh Ryan Arena setup, where basically the, the the two sidelines are just two decks of of almost bleacher seating. It's nicer now. They they put some money into it, uh, but two decks of, of bleacher style seating, just straight up, like like a very large high school gym. I think it seats about I think it seats about ten and a half, eleven thousand. So basically, you know, just a, a very large high school gym. Um, and then they've got one end that is got some, some luxury seating, you know, some, some high dollar seating and kind of a concourse area. And then the other baseline, the baseline nearest the, the visiting bench is the student section. And it's not quite, um, as big as like, for example, the, the, the way that there's kind of just this wall of seating at the Xfinity center in college park where Maryland plays. Um, but it's, it's kind of the same idea, and the student section is sat, like I said, it's right on top of 
the visiting bench. And, I mean, it, it really has become a, a tough road environment, especially I think, you know, I, I think Rutgers in, in a weird way has, if you look at their, their results, it's almost like they've struggled a little bit more at home against bad teams. I think probably because, you know, you, you, the environment doesn't get turned up quite so loud for those teams as it does, you know, the top ten opponents and things like that. Um, but again, you go back to last season, if I'm remembering rightly, like Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan, all lost, Ohio State, I think all lost there last year. It is a tough place to play. It's not a very big arena, which means when it's full and it's loud, it can just be kind of cacophonous. And I, I didn't, you know, it's, it's not intimidating, at least from a neutral point of view the way Mackey can be and the way that Assembly Hall obviously can be. Um, but it, because it doesn't quite feel like the building's collapsing in on top of you. But there is just a, a raw level of sound that the crowd can generate because it's a, it's a lot of people in a very small space. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've been talking, I think, about sort of knocking it down and starting over a little bit, re- renovating the whole bowl. Um, I think they'd be crazy to do that. That is, I mean, that, that, that is, that is an equalizer for them, especially with the way that Steve Peichel wants to play the, you know, the extent to which, you know, his, his style is very sort of driven around, uh, you know, defense, scrappy toughness, turning games into dog fights and things like that. You need a crowd that is just going to be feral for you. And, and they've got one. All right, talking to Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, um, should fans be concerned at all with Trace's performance or lack thereof yesterday? I know he got an immediate double team, which caused some turnovers. And I'll tell you what, um, in the past, I've always complimented Trace. I think he's really good at getting out of a double team, passing specifically out of a double team. But yesterday he just didn't seem to be able to do what he normally does. Yeah, and I thought that was a little bit the, the group around him as well. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not absolving Trace Jackson Davis and, and blaming everybody else. Um, but I, I thought that, you know, number one, Rutgers played this really collapsed zone, like really, really collapsed, where they they would basically double Trace and then bring a third body to the rim just so that if he got through the double, there was somebody else waiting for him. Um, when he tried to pass out of it because it was a zone and not a matchup man, Indiana's kind of off-ball movement. You know, a, a lot of teams that, that tend to double him don't zone. They, they, they still play man, and they just pick somebody to double off of. Um, when you're playing zone, suddenly some of that movement isn't quite so – that off-ball movement isn't quite so effective – um, obviously he had, uh, I think, a couple passes that were kind of picked off in cross-court situations where he probably could have made a better pass, but Rutgers also made a good defensive play because that's the other thing a zone does is it always leaves, it gives you the ability to control passing lanes. If you're not following a defensive cover somewhere, then you can just sort of anchor yourself in passing lanes. It was a game where Indiana, frankly, you know, was going to need to hit a few more shots to loosen things up, and Nobody but Xavier Johnson and Miller Coppett threes. Indiana was 6 of 25. Um, Xavier Johnson was only 1 of 4, so basically it was, was kind of just Miller Cop and everybody else. I think Cop finished 5 of 9, if I'm remembering the numbers rightly. 
So everybody else in that situation is one of 16. There was a point where Mike Woodson pulled Rafe Thompson off the uh, the floor and kind of got into him a little bit early in the second half. And, and I think what he was getting into him about was basically a certain lack of offensive aggressiveness and sort of shying away at shooting some threes. And, you know, listen, uh, We've talked about the whole three-point shooting dynamic with Indiana. I'm not saying that's the only thing that went wrong. Again, I thought they looked sluggish. I thought they missed Jalen Vichafino. You know, they're, one of their big antidotes this season to not, not being able to hit threes has been basically having multiple guards that can get downhill against basically any defense and can create confusion and chaos around the rim. And I thought Xavier Johnson, Xavier Johnson tried his best, didn't play his best game by any means. I thought he was forcing it at times. I thought by the end of the game he was visibly tired as well. I think he played 34 minutes, and without Jalen Pichofino, he was carrying the heavy load for a lot of that. Um, but this also did feel a little bit, you know, as much as people wanted to get tied up in some of the other numbers, this did feel a little bit like one of those games where Indiana just maybe could have stood to shoot the ball a little bit better from three than they did, and that is going to happen to this team sometimes. You know, every, every team has weaknesses. Every team – you know, I mean, it feels to me like we have been going through the undefeated teams a lot faster this year um, and, and crossing them off the, off the list a lot faster than we have in recent seasons. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just anecdotal misreading of the numbers. But every team's got weaknesses. Every team's got flaws. One of this team's flaws is probably going to be that they're going to be nice where they need to hit threes, and they just kind of can't. And that's something they're going to have to learn to cope with. But you also, you know, you're also not going to face a lot of teams that are as sound and as rugged defensively as Rutgers. They're one of the best teams in the country. And I think if there's there's maybe one, you know, more undercurrent concern than just Trace Jackson Davis' performance, it's the wider idea that this was the first truly elite defense Indiana faced this year. You know, Xavier's not great on defense. Obviously, North Carolina's got some real issues. Rutgers, I think, was 12th in adjusted efficiency coming into this game, according to Ken Pomeroy. This was the first really, truly elite defense Indiana had faced this season, and it really didn't go well. And that's obviously something you can learn from. You know, if if this is kind of the wake-up call, guys were describing it as, you know, kind of post-game just saying, hey, you know, we we needed to be exposed to some of our flaws, to know what we need to work on, and will be sharper and better next time, then all's the better for them. Um, but I thought more widely, it wasn't just about Trace Jackson Davis. It was just kind of the wider team performance wasn't good enough. And I think it, it would be fair to be concerned about that. Zach Ostrom and the Indianapolis Star. Zach, I have so many other basketball things, but we're up against a commercial break. Before we head out, I do have a football question for you. Desan McCullough enters or has entered the transfer portal he posted on social media on Sunday night. A lot of departures here for Indiana football. What's kind of your immediate postseason, early postseason take on what's going on in Bloomington? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to sort of formulate an insider on this all morning. I'll have something this afternoon. Uh, obviously, to Indiana specifically, there are some real blows here. Um, you know, you, you've got. Uh, Players like Desan McCullough and A.J. Barner, who were starters, team captains, promising freshmen, whatever, hitting the portal. Some guy, I mean, I would even argue a guy like Chris Keyes, who was probably part of the future for you at cornerback. 
is a player that you, you you wouldn't necessarily wanted to leave. He went into the portal yesterday. On the other hand, uh, I, I would encourage anybody who is, you know, who has the time to go like look at the twenty four seven Sports Transfer Portal Twitter account and try to count up how many kids are in the portal today. Like it's 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 nuts. And this isn't me saying Indiana shouldn't be concerned because they probably should be. Um, and we've talked about the, the, you know, the attendant reasons why, uh, for a while now, um, you know, the, 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 the current kind of just direction of the program, whether NIL money is something that's going to impact teams fortunes going forward. And if Indiana can compete with the bigger schools on some of that stuff. Um, and I get all that and, and all that applies but there's also an extent to which this is just the future, or, or not even the future. This is this is the present reality of college football for a while. You are going to see this kind of movement because guys are going to want to see if there's something better for them somewhere. They're going to want to see if there's another NIL opportunity for them somewhere. Smaller schools, in particular kind of the, the smaller Power 5 schools that might be breeding grounds for kids that clearly have power five talent but kind of need a place to prove it before the bigger schools are, are sold on them, um, are going to have a tough time holding on to certain calibers of player. That's reality. I don't know how it changes the calculus. I really don't. I, I've tried to come up with something thoughtful or clever for the last 24 hours. Um, I, I don't know exactly how you approach this if you're the head coach at Indiana or Virginia or wherever. I, I really don't know. Um, but I do know that this is, there's an extent to which some of this is probably happening because Indiana is whatever Indiana is six and what, six and 18 over the last two years. And there are questions about Tom Allen's job security and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's an extent to which this is happening because this is, this is 2022 in college football and the reality of the collision of NIL freedom of movement and the portal. And I'm just not sure what the solution is. But I know that if, if coaches don't find a way to live comfortably in this for a while, um, they're going to sink because however rough these seas are to, uh, to, to pound that metaphor to the ground, you've got to learn to swim in them. Yeah, good stuff. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Stars. Zach, thank you for helping get the week started. A uh, ton of stuff coming up, so we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me as always. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. We're back to talk about a big high school basketball event on Saturday at Charlestown. Some great players, great teams at the Body Armor Classic, and some great performances from some of our locals as well. Chad Gilbert, the AD there, will join me next. Chad is an IHSA executive board member representing our area. We always talk local sports on Monday, so stay with us for that here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Hey, 
And we're back here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown. He's on the IHSA executive board. He's a former basketball coach here in the area. And he joins me on Monday to talk all about local sports here in southern Indiana and celebrate some of the great things that we have going on here in this area. And one of the things that was great this weekend was actually at Chad's gym at Charlestown High School, and that was the Body Armor Showcase. There were five great high school basketball games. There were some local talent. There was some Midwestern talent. And uh, some of our locals did really well. Chad, I'm not even sure where to begin. There were so many big performances and great teams and just a really good way to kick off the 22-23 high school basketball season. Man, it was a great tournament. You know, not even a tournament to get a classic where teams were uh, pitted against each other based on, one, talent levels. And we had a lot of talent in the thing. I mean, my goodness. You look, Scottsburg is primed and ready for a 3A run. Um, they, and they they had a very formidable opponent, Walnut Hills. Um, Brownstown, again, we talked about a two-way state contender. They had a formidable opponent in Winthrow out of Cincinnati. Um, DeSales, a Kentucky uh, powerhouse that uh, has a chance to make a nice run in Kentucky, plays against Huntington Prep, which was full of Division One players. And then you Jeffersonville versus Warren Central, where Jeffersonville is playing a lot of young kids. Warren Central playing a lot of young kids. That down the road, both of those teams have a chance to make some noise in the state, Matt. So we tried to match up teams on one, who would be a good game, and two, who's going to make each other better down the road come tournament, where they can draw upon that game. Um, you know, we're hoping we can get it bigger and better next year. Maybe the addition of Providence versus someone. Maybe the addition of Trinity, St. X, uh, perhaps a Silver Creek. Guys that have some teams coming back. But what we need on it to make it just a great day is we need that casual fan who's there just to watch basketball, to talk basketball, to go through it. You know, we saw some guys there. You know, when you see a, a John Seaboat, a Chuck Watson, a – uh, Kyle Lovin there, you know, their kid's not involved. However, they're there to watch some good basketball. I think we, we need more of that. You know, I did see some other guys around the area that were there, um, whether it was guys just to watch or guys to say, hey, let's make this thing really, really big. I think we have a chance to do something good. Uh, for Charlestown, it's an opportunity to showcase to see what we have here. Yeah, our team did not play in it, Matt. Reason being is the gate, a couple of things. The gate goes to the A1 Foundation, which, you know, we want to make sure that that, that gets taken care of. But we also, I didn't want to lose a home gate, you know, which is a, you know, a small crowd at Charlestown. It's a $2,000 night that with this day, with officials, with equipment, you can't let that go. The other thing is, is we just played a Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, and we come back with a Tuesday Friday this week, that's a lot of games for a young team at Charlestown. So Coach Lynch um, needs more time to develop our guys, to get them with our structure and to get them going. Um, so we, we decided not to play in that this year. We may come back in next year. We may not decide to play in it again there. But it's a great opportunity for us to get out there, show what our gym's about, show we're there, and um, showcase some players. You know, one guy that stood out, Matt, and I know we've talked about him on the show before, is Jack Benner, the Purdue commit. 
And I'm just going to tell everybody in Southern Indiana right now, if you were out watching Romeo on the Romeo train when he was here, you need to get on the Jack Benner train. Because shooting-wise, it's no comparison who the better shooter is. Jack Benner is a better shooter than Romeo Langford was. Athletic-wise, Romeo Langford is a world-class athlete. There's probably not 20 athletes in the world who are as good as Romeo. However, Jack Benner is a high major athlete. He had two down-the-lane dunks on top of people, Matt. Uh, quick hands, quick shot release. It's Again, I know we talked about him on the floor. His game is not like Romeo's, but his game is like a Southern Indiana legend, Pat Grant. You know, you, I'll even take it a step further. Maybe going in the paint, he's strong like Damon Bailey was going in the paint. So if you get an opportunity to see Brownstown, and I know they have a formidable opponent coming Friday against Scottsburg. I know Jamie Lowry would love to see the pressure cooker packed. That will be an excellent opportunity to see some good basketball in Southern Indiana, Matt. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, you mentioned the sales in Louisville. I know we focus on Southern Indiana here, but they beat Huntington Prep, who in our preview of this stuff last week, we had like three or four D1 players that were getting big-time offers we discussed. Uh, that's a real statement win. I'm curious more about that. Well, you know, for that, that's that's a drive. And to sell, let me tell you about the sales. Very well-coached, very good team. You know, they have uh, – we talked about Sean Gibson, who played at Floyd Central. talked about players from the past. Uh, his sons play for there. And if you want to see what Sean Gibson looked like in high school, look at his sons because they're both a little bit of him. And, that, and the facial expressions, game – uh, the the way they handle the ball on the court, I mean, it, it's just like throwback. How that's exactly how he played, and he was an outstanding player, man. For the so they have two sons at the sales play like that, they are very very good and will be a hard out. Uh, they got jumped on Huntington Prep and fought them off, and that's a great game for the sales to draw back on in the tournament because the sales will make them run in the state tournament in Kentucky, but they'll be battle tested as well. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. I know we could probably spend a whole hour talking about some of the great players and teams you had a chance to host and see up close and personal, but definitely exciting. And Chad, real quick as we head out of here today, New Albany Floyd Central coming up on Friday night. It'll be the first edition of that rivalry game for Greg Walters, the new Floyd coach, and potentially, unless there was a postseason meetup, the last for Jim Shannon, the new Albany coach, Really looking forward to our first big rivalry game of the season here locally. Well, I think that'll be a great game. Uh, Bubby got him playing well at New Albany, Matt. I mean, he's got him rolling. They're uh, 3-0. and He's uh, With his last year, he's going out guns blazing. I'm anxious for, to uh, watch the New Albany Bulldogs and excited for the start he's gotten off to because, you know, one of the best coaches to ever do it. So I'm, I'm uh, really, really happy for him at New Albany. Providence and Scottsburg on Saturday will be another battle, Matt. It's a lot of good opportunity to see a lot of good basketball. Absolutely. Chad, thanks for being with us. Congratulations on a big-time event Saturday. Look forward to seeing that thing continue to grow. Matt, it's busy. You know what time it is. You get a lot of stuff coming to town. we got a lot of good help up here. A lot of, a lot of things going at you when the circus comes in, but the good thing is, is we got a lot of good help and not a lot of clowns. <laughs> Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with us on this Monday program. Have a great Monday. Back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
WXVW, Jeffersonville.